We're engaged in a series, as you can see, called A Home for Your Heart. And we're discussing or looking at why it's so vitally important that we intentionally look to carve out a healthy relationship with our Heavenly Father. I've been saying to you all along the way, a lot of times when we, um, when we initially embrace Christianity, it's all about what Christ has done for us, and that's appropriate, totally right, uh, the way it should be. And somehow as we go along, we, we keep feeding off of that uh, understanding, but I would suggest to us this morning that there are two other significant uh, parties to the Godhead. Uh, of course, being in a church like ours here, we'll hear about the Holy Spirit, and uh, it is important that we intentionally work at that relationship, but sometimes the Father, although He is uh, in order, the top, per, the top one of the Godhead, He sometimes ends up playing third fiddle. And uh, we're just taking a fresh a dive into why it's important for us to be cultivating that relationship with the Father. We have been ducking in and out of the story of the what's typically called the prodigal son, but it's really uh, even more than a, a story about that younger son, it's really a story about the Father. Last week we talked about how Living in the Father's house is not to be done from a spirit of slavery, thinking I have to work at earning God's goodness in my life or His grace in my life. But instead, we should be working from a position of knowing and understanding that we've been adopted. We are full-fledged children of God. You know, I haven't said it yet, and I really don't know how to say this, uh, but I'll just put it out there this morning. In a very general sense, everyone on planet Earth, every human being on planet Earth is a child of God in a general sense. Right? And we say that because, uh, because God created us, right? But it's important for us to differentiate between being a general child of God and being an adopted son or daughter of his. There's a distinction between those two things, and I sometimes hear people talking about, well, they're, a, they're one of God's children, and while that is true, what defines an adopted son or adopted daughter of God is whether they've embraced Christ and come home to live with the Father. Those are kind of two, uh, two different things. Now, In the same way that there are benefits for a child when they are adopted in the natural, there are also massive benefits as it relates to us being adopted by our Father. And today I'd like to talk to you about one of those amazing benefits of being a child of the Heavenly Father. I've labeled it as this, our Father provides for us. Our Father provides for us. I want to read to you a somewhat lengthy section of 
Matthew chapter 6. I don't have it for you on the screen. If you still bring a Bible to church, you can look it up there uh, or use one of your devices to find it or just listen. I want to read to you from verses 25 through 32. This is in the middle of a sermon that Jesus gave in talking about what, what, the, uh, what, what it's like in the kingdom of God. What it's like to be a part uh, of what God is doing in the earth. And in these particular verses, he's talking to people about provision. Verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And, and why do we worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. I want you to notice here in this passage that Jesus draws a direct connection between the heavenly Father and what you need. He doesn't say, I know what you need. He says, your heavenly Father will feed you. Your heavenly Father will take care of what you need. He is making that connection or causing that nexus between us and our heavenly Father. Now, this is important for us to to grab hold of because one of the onslaughts of attacks that's coming our way in these days It goes to the very fundamental issue of whether God cares about us. Uh, It's posed this way. If God is so good, great provider, great father, if God is so good, then why are there people starving in fill in the blank, right? If God is so good, provider, great provider, great father, then why are there so many homeless people? You know, people on the outside trying to understand a God, trying to understand what's going on, one of the primary things they question is is his goodness or his willingness to provide. So you and I, as his children, 
need to make sure that we're sound on this point. When people question such things, in my mind, what I say is, is was Jesus, in, in, in what we just read here and what Jesus said, was Jesus grossly exaggerating the Father's commitment to provide for his children? Was he lying? I don't think so. I don't believe either was the case. Jesus is not a fabricator or a liar. When he said, your father will take care of you, he meant it. He wasn't exaggerating. And what I see in the Bible is that it is consistent with this notion or with this idea. I want to run through you with you uh, some brief looks at some uh, peak moments in the Old Testament. And, uh, and I want you to see if you draw the same conclusion. Let's start right in the very beginning. In the very beginning, God the Father, along with the Son and along with the Holy Spirit, together at creation, put in place everything humanity could possibly need to thrive, right? He, he, put, he, put, uh, he put planets out there. He put, uh, he put trees. He put oxygen so we'd have oxygen. He put uh, water out there because he knew. Remember, we were the last to be created, but he set everything in its place in order to provide what you and I need in order to thrive, right? I'm, I mean, he didn't, you know, I know we break down creation as what he did on each day, but all of it was set in place for the crown of his creation, which was mankind on the sixth day. The Father provided what you and I need to thrive. If you, if you, uh, so that was before the fall, right? But even after the fall, after we were disobedient children, after we, we gave him the bird and did what he asked us not to do, right? He gave us birds and then we gave him the bird, right? I just make it real. I just keep it real. I mean, that's... That's what happened, right? Even after that, I said to you a few weeks ago that God provided the initial clothing for Adam and Eve. The Father took care of their clothes. Even as sin took over and began to dominate mankind and their nature, and the father came to the conclusion he needed to do something in order to have a bit of a reboot. And it was the father's idea. It wasn't Noah's idea. It was the father's idea in a way of providing for mankind moving forward he provided a means by which they would be able to survive the judgment that was coming on earth. 
We go and we visit it down in Kentucky there, the ark, right? Not the litter, that's not the litter. Somebody's saying right now, the ark's in Kentucky? Well, they have a facsimile of it down there in uh, Kentucky. And God provided that. The Father provided a means. And I might add, not just for us as human beings, he provided a means for animals, plants, vegetation, everything to continue to move forward after he pronounced judgment. As the Father began to work with his covenant people, Israel, he did so by providing for them. When a famine came upon the land, I spoke to you about this a couple of months ago, he sovereignly set in place Joseph in order that, that they would, his people would be taken care of. And after their time in Egypt, and they find, found their way out miraculously, and as they found their way into the wilderness, onto the way, on their way to the promised land, he, the Father provided for them all along the way. In spite of their grumbling and complaining, the Father provided for them. They were like, dude, we, we, we're, we're, we're thinking maybe we want to go back to Egypt. And he's like, dude, just trust me, I will provide for you, right? When they needed water, they thought they were going to die of thirst. It came out of a rock, for crying out loud, right? He provided water for them. When they were complaining that, you know, the, the, the food that they, the food that they, the lack of food that they had, he's like, all right, well, watch this. I'm going to take dew and make it look like cornflakes. I am going to rain down, I'm going to rain down so much food, you're going to get sick of, uh, uh, of eating what I provide for you, right? I'm, I'm just taking snapshots of moments in the Bible when what Jesus said was proven through experience, not just in one generation, but over successive generations, the Father provided for his people. In fact, one of the, uh, one of the verses in Deuteronomy chapter 5, uh, as they're, 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 they're remembering what God had done for them, uh, it says, For forty years I led you through the wilderness, yet your clothes and your sandals did not wear out. Now, I don't know. Uh, a pair of sneakers will last me maybe two or three or four years, but they wear out. They get holes in them. The strings break. Uh, the toes rub thin, right? All of that stuff. Forty years, God provided for them not just amounts of things, but caused things to last longer than they should. We read in the Old Testament where God provided for single moms. Remember that widow and and and, and of Nan or what? I think it was that. Where she, her food, her food was, uh, she was having a ration of food. And all of a sudden, the oil kept coming, right? And, 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 the, and the ability to bake the bread, it just kept coming and coming and coming. And sometimes that's the way God provides. He provides uh, not just in, in terms of uh, what we need, but how long something lasts, Right? We can read various testimonies of people who lived during those periods of time who spoke of the Father's provision. 
David, as you know, was one who was led by God. He lived in the Father's house. He longed to be in the Father's house. This is what he said about his father. In Psalm 23, he said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He didn't need to say any more. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I don't want for anything. I don't lack for anything. He provides for me. And then he goes down a list of the ways that God the Father provided for him. The message translation says it this way, God my shepherd, I don't need a thing. That's how well David saw God's provision in his life. The Father taking care of him, he didn't need a thing. On another occasion, he writes in Psalm 145, 15 and 16, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. These are the testimonies of people who have watched God take care of them. David represented a particular generation in the Old Testament. His son Solomon represents a successive generation. Listen to his testimony in Proverbs 10.3. He writes, The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry. In Ecclesiastes 3.13, he says that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in his toil. This is the gift from God. So over and over again, I mean, I'm just randomly picking out verses. You could find hundreds of them describing people's testimony of relating with God and and coming to know Him and see Him as an awesome provider, taking care of them. So here we are in 2023, like we just woke up yesterday or God just came in existence a couple days ago, people questioning whether God cares, whether, whether God, he's been doing it for thousands of years. And we have the testimony of thousands upon thousands of people talking about God's provision in their life. In fact, in one such moment in Scripture, it actually caused Abraham to give God a new name. You may recall the story. Abraham and his son Isaac are making their way up a mountain that God had called them to. And they had the, he had called them to go and make sacrifice on that mountain. And they had the wood. They had the, for fire, they had the particular instrument to, in order to slaughter the sacrifice. The, everything was in place. And as they're making their way up the mountain, it dawned on Isaac that they didn't have an animal to sacrifice. And so, so, so Isaac says to his father, he says, he says, uh, where, where is the sacrifice we are going to make? And as you can imagine, Abraham knows kind of what God has called him to in this moment. But in spite of that, Abraham says to his son Isaac, the Lord will provide for a sacrifice. It actually says, the Lord himself will provide a sacrifice. And in that moment, a name, a new name for God 
came about. As you know the rest of the story, they get up to the top of the mountain, and, uh, and there, there they are, and it's all about all, re- all ready to go down and happen. And, and God, it says, stayed the hand of Abraham. And in that moment, a ram was stuck in a thicket nearby that God provided in that moment, right? And as Abraham is recognizing the Father's provision, as he's recognizing how he went out of the way to take care of everything necessary, Abraham says, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, the one who takes care of all that I need. I want you to notice that he didn't name the place by the travail that he was going through. He didn't name the place by uh, his agony and the things that he was, uh, as a father, was wrestling with in that moment. He named the place by what he saw come out of it. He understood in that moment that God was able to provide for whatever need. He spoke it prophetically as they were making their way out up the mountain, but in actuality, that's exactly what God did. He provided for them in that moment. May we name the mountains of our journeys, not by our troubles, not by our frustration, by what, but, but what we see God doing in that moment. That he, on this case, provided. The Old Testament is littered with countless accounts of God being the Father who provides. When we turn to the New Testament, and we see God expanding his covenant commitment beyond just the, a few select people in Israel. He's opening it wide up for any and all who would come to Him. We see the, see the story of His provision continues. As Jesus goes about uh, doing His earthly ministry, one of the things that Jesus became known for was providing for people. He became a rock star. Because he was constantly taking care and providing for the needs of people. You remember? He fed 5,000 people. I just saw David's shirt. He's got a nice shirt on today. David Stephanagan. I said, what's that mean? I had to figure it out, right? He's got, he's got two, two loaves of bread and, and what looks to be some fishes down there. And it says 5,000, but equals 5,000, Right? In fact, if you read what what actually went on in the Bible, it's like because Jesus, wherever he showed up, people showed up to be touched by him, for their needs to be met by him, because he he became known as a needs-meeting God, a needs-meeting person. And he would travel to so-and-so, and they would show up there. They would make the journey themselves. Like I said, he was like a rock star. And the people just followed him around, right? But he wanted to make sure that people knew that this was coming from the Father in heaven. On multiple occasions, he would say to the people, I only do what I see my Father doing. 
It was the father who was providing for his children. It was the father feeding the hungry. It was the father healing those that were in need. The father was providing. In fact, in John chapter 8, Jesus says, I can, uh, I can do nothing on my own initiative. In other words, I don't do anything uh, that I thought of. I only do what I see the Father doing. The conclusive testimony of Scripture is that the Father provides for His children. Jesus was not exaggerating or lying about the Father taking care of those who are His. Now you might ask yourself, why is this so important for us? Why is this so vital that we see the Father in this way? That we relate with the Father in this way? Because if you don't believe that your Father will provide, you won't trust Him. And if you don't trust Him, you will never be able to live at home like you should. You will never be able to have a healthy, meaningful relationship with Him. Think about it for just a moment. You don't get close to people you don't trust. Not intentionally anyways. None of us do. If you don't trust someone, you will go, you will find another alley in the another alleyway in the grocery store to go down. You don't trust them. The older son as we're ducking in and out of that parable about the older father the older son in the parable did not trust the father he did not trust the father's judgment he did not trust the father's providing for the younger son he did not trust the father in fact in that story it tells us that the older son began to question and even correct how the father, what the father was doing and how he was providing in that moment. When we don't trust, we find our place, ourselves in a place of insecurity. And in insecurity, it will lead us to do things and say things that are not good for us and good for others and certainly not good for our relationship with the Father. The Bible, that's why the Bible repeatedly exhorts and encourages, encourages us to trust God. Trust God. Because God knows they aren't going to be able to have an intimate exchange with me if they don't settle this issue of trust with me. Listen to what Proverbs 3 5 says from the message translation Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God, or in this case, the Father's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume you know it all. Run to God. 
Trust Him. We know when we're trusting God when we willingly surrender our lives to Him. That's how you know whether you trust Him or not. You say, Lord, here's my life. You know, this morning as Josh was leading us in prayer, and he said, uh, you know, some of you are, are uh, who, who, who among us is going through a Job-type experience? And I, I raised my hands in light of some things that I've been going through of late, because not because I see myself as having the same uh, cross to carry that Job did, but because there are certain things that are out of my control. You know what I'm saying? I, I, listen, if, if I could think myself to pee, I would have a long time ago. <laughs> really. I, I'm just being honest with you. If I could think it, if I, okay, I'm going to, 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 I'm going to. I would have a long time ago. I would have, it would have happened. But there's certain things that go on in our lives where you just have to trust God. You just have to say, Lord, I don't know what's up ahead. I'm believing that you're going to provide. You're going to take care of this. You're going to do what you do best. You're my father. My life is in your hands. My life is in your hands. That's how you know whether you're trusting or not. If you're trying to hit all the right buttons and move the right gears and switches and whatnot, you know, you're probably not trusting like you should. You just need to relax. Uh, you know, I, I have it a little bit later here in my notes, but I'll say it right now. Early on uh, in the, in the uh, World War II, the, uh, uh, the people, the British people, were uh, getting very anxious about the Germans uh, invading and taking over their country. And the leaders at that time came up with a national slogan. For, for, for England uh, to see. So they posted it everywhere. And I think I have a slide. Is there a picture for that, uh, Jeremy? There it is. There it is right there. Keep calm and carry on. Right? And I believe that's what God is saying to us. Listen, there's a lot of stuff going on, both on a personal level, on a national level, on a world level. There's a lot of stuff going on but he's, he's wanting us to trust him. He's wanting us to stay calm, know that our lives are in his hands, uh, surrender to him, allow him to be the father that he wants to be to us, and not, not feeling like we've got to, you know, we've got to just make it happen. When you don't feel like anybody, your father cares for you, you will look to try to take care of it yourself. And when we do that, we mess it up. We screw it up. We, we, we make decisions that aren't good for us or the people around us. Proverbs 28, 25 says, A grasping person stirs up trouble. Ha! Oh boy, who's that? A grasping person, you know, you're just trying to, a grasping person stirs up trouble, but trust in God brings a sense of well-being. This is the testimony we find in Scripture. Now I realize the, the, uh, the intelligent among us 
have come along in these days and said, you know, if God really cared, he would uh, do what, what, you know, whatever they think he should do, right? If God was really a caring God and God provided for people, then, you know, we could just sit back and drink Cokes and, and he'd take care of the rest, right? I'm telling you here this morning that historically and currently, your father is a father who provides. He takes care of his children. I'm going to ask the worship team if they'll make their way back to the platform. I told Pastor Scott this week that uh, I wanted us to end on an exuberant note, on a note of, of just uh, you know, putting our, our trust afresh in our Father. And I came across this verse from the Amplified Version, and it says this, He put a new song in my mouth. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust confidently in the Lord. Psalm 53, 2 says, God looks down from heaven on all people. He wants to see if there are those who understand. He wants to see if there are, there, are there any who will trust in God. Psalm 53, verse Two, I want to invite you to join me here in these last moments we have together by standing and singing about the goodness of our God. As this, as this tenet of God's character is tested in our day, as we are asked to question these kinds of matters, I want to invite you this morning to put a fresh hope, a fresh trust in your father. Don't be that insecure child who's trying to uh, gut it out on your own. The father has historically proven himself to be a great provider. Now is no time for us to doubt that. Lord, I pray that as we go back into some singing right now, I pray for, the, for a fresh move of your Holy Spirit here in our hearts that, that, that this issue would get settled. If anybody came in here questioning this this morning, that this matter would get settled again in our souls. That we wouldn't leave here questioning or doubting your provision for us. That we wouldn't leave here thinking this week we've got to take care of ourselves. Lord, we started out reading. That's how the pagans do it. <laughs> That's how they do it. They go out into the world every week and they're like, I got to do this on my own. But Lord, you called us to live on a higher level. To live on a higher plane where our faith and our trust is of such a nature that we're not going to worry about things that we should not be worrying about. We're not going to, we're not going to spend all of our waking moments uh, wrapped up in things that we simply are called to trust you for. Lord, it's not like we're not going to go to work tomorrow and just ask you to drop down stuff from heaven. But Lord, for those things that 
we have absolutely no control over. We believe you will provide. We, you will provide. You'll provide jobs for us. You'll provide a good income so that we can, we can thrive and do what we need to do, Lord. You will provide. For that, we are thankful. You are a great father. Can we just say that together on three? One, two, three. You are a great father. And you are a father who provides. Thank you.